0: I want to give as much time here to Chris and uh, his wife, Amanda. So happy to have you guys. We've been connected with them over the years and uh, just started recently supporting them monthly. Uh, Chris is the real deal when it comes to evangelism. Uh, Our church is, our heart is uh, Southeast Asia in, in, in that ministry. And he goes where our heart's at and it's like there's times we're not able to go and and uh, uh, I'm just so thankful for that. And the crowds he's been reaching, and I'll let him share about all that and, and how God is saving people, healing people, and delivering people. And so we are honored to have him and his wife here with us. So please, let's give a warm Church for the Harvest welcome to Chris Mikeson. Well,
1: praise the Lord. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Oh man, so good to be here. Thank you Pastor Mike and Rhonda for having us. We love Church of the Harvest. We love Alexandria, Minnesota, Central Minnesota, and um, it's just good to be back in Central Minnesota, actually when the weather is nice. Amen? Maybe you guys are thinking it's hot. I think it's cool because I just came from Florida, so I'm enjoying the weather uh, here that This week and uh, spending some time with my family and I have my beautiful wife with me and my parents are also here somewhere sitting in the back. And so it's good to have family here and uh, it's good to be with family at Church of the Harvest. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, as Pastor had said, we have been traveling all over uh, South Asia. Uh, Amanda and I started doing crusades in India about three and a half, almost four years ago now. Um, and then the Lord opened a door for us to go to Sri Lanka and do gospel crusades where pastor, you guys have been there, right? To Sri Lanka several times. And so we've been doing crusades. We have done many in the hill country of Sri Lanka. We've planted churches up there from our crusades and, uh, it's just been amazing. And then the Lord opened up this incredible door for us to go into a very difficult nation, Uh, is the nation of Pakistan, and so we've been able to do gospel crusades in Pakistan the last couple of years, and uh, at the end of the year last year, the Lord spoke to me. I was praying after we had a a very successful year last year, 2017, and um, we saw thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people receive Christ, And, um, and I was really praying, and I was saying, God, what are you saying for next year? what are you saying? What do you want? What's your vision for 2018? And I felt like I heard this voice in my spirit say, believe me for a million souls. And I thought that can't be God because that's way too big of a number. I mean, that is just outrageous. And then I thought, no, that's probably God because he's an outrageous God. Amen. He is over the top. And so, and so I, I, but I, I was like, okay, Lord, if you're really telling me to believe you for a million souls, uh, you're going to have to confirm that to me. You're going to have to show me that you want me to believe you for a million souls. And so I said to the Lord, I said, God, I know I can believe you in my own life. I can believe you for 500,000, but, um, but I don't know about a million. That's so many people. I mean, we would have to do some really, really big crusades. They'd have to be extremely expensive to reach that many people And so I'm doing the math in my head and and I'm just saying, okay, God, I know I can believe you for 500,000, but if if you want me to believe you for a million, you're going to have to confirm it to me. And so um, about two days later, I was at uh, a meeting with a pastor uh, who's a very well-known pastor, evangelist, and I was sitting in his office talking with him and he said, Chris, what are you believing God for next year? And I said, pastor, I'm believing God for at least... 500,000 souls next year. And he looks at me and he goes, Chris, it's going to be bigger than that and you're going to get more money than you ever thought. And I thought, okay. And it was just like God spoke right through him. And that night I had a dream. And in the dream, um, a man came to me and, uh, and he gave me a check. And it was a check for the exact amount that we would need to be able to reach a million souls And I knew that God was saying, I'm going to provide, it's not going to come from just one person, but I'm going to provide the finances, the resources to reach those million people that I told you, I want you to reach. And so I called my crusade director in Pakistan the next day. And I said, brother, here's what God is saying to me. I told him the story, what happened. And I said, I believe God is saying that we're to believe him in 2018 for 1 million souls. And he got all excited. He said, oh, brother, just two nights ago, my wife and I were in all night prayer meeting. You know, he speaks in broken English. We were in all night prayer meeting and we were praying for you and sister Amanda. And God has spoken to us that in 2018, you will see a million souls come to Christ in Jesus name. Amen. And so I said, okay, God, you got my attention. (laughs) I think you're really talking to me. And so we began to pursue seeing this vision come to fruition, that we would see a million souls come to Christ in Pakistan. Now, Pakistan is not a Christian nation. It's less than 2% Christianity. It's 90 over almost 97% Muslim and a few percent other stuff. And um, it's, a, it's a very difficult place to go, but God has opened up this incredible door for us to be able to go in and see people come to Jesus, not only by the tens of thousands, but literally by the hundreds of thousands. And uh, I would love to bring all of you with so that you could see the harvest for yourself. But I want to bring a video up and show you guys a video of the harvest and uh, so far this year, we have seen over 246,000 people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior in Pakistan. And so we're giving all glory to God. And uh, if you guys, you have that video ready. All right, perfect. Let's let's go to Pakistan. <clears throat> what we're seeing happening in this country is unprecedented. Uh, it's never been seen before on this type of scale. God has really just been pouring out his spirit in this country the last few years here. And we have an incredible window of opportunity to go and to make a big difference in this nation to see literally hundreds of thousands. And I believe this year, a million people come to Christ. We've got two really big crusades coming up. Actually, we have, you maybe you're doing the math in your head. Well, they've already seen a quarter of a million so far this year, but we're already halfway through the year. We're planning a big crusade in November in the city of Karachi. It's the largest city in the country. There's over 20 million people that live in Karachi and uh, we're believing God to see close to a million people in attendance in that one service. And so um, please be praying with us. And uh, you know, I know they said uh, they're going to be taking up an offering for um, our ministry later Uh, just be aware as you sow into the ministry, on average, we're seeing for one person to come to Christ, it costs our ministry roughly 80 cents for one person to come to Christ. So every, literally every dollar that's being sown sow into the ministry is reaping a soul being saved, more than a soul being saved. And so uh, we have some information back at our product table Make sure you visit that on your way out. There's a, a e sign up uh, over there if you want to be a part of our newsletter and get updates from the field. You can do that. There's also some t shirts back there that say Jesus Saves and some wristbands that say Jesus Saves back there. All of the proceeds of that go straight into the uh, ministry. Um, And so for every, I think our t-shirts are on sale for $10 a shirt and wristbands are $3 a wristband. All those proceeds are going straight into the harvest. So make sure you visit the product table on your way out. Amen. And make sure you follow me on Facebook. That's my last commercial. We have, we just turned over, I think 100 and what, 114,000 followers on Facebook on our ministry page, so make sure you get on there. We are always posting videos. um, Videos from our TV show are also being posted there. Our our TV show airs in Pakistan weekly, um, and we're seeing a lot of people get uh, blessed by that as well, so make sure you follow us on Facebook. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you about my best friend. His name is Jesus. And uh, Jesus changed my life more than 12 years ago now, um, both my wife and I. And I want to talk to you about him. I want to talk on the subject of pursuing Jesus. You know, I believe that God desires us not just to go to church, not just to go through the motions, but he desires for us to pursue him, to go after him, not to just be a lukewarm Christian, not to just go through the motions, but to literally pursue, to, to go hard, to follow hard after the Lord. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start in Mark chapter number one. If you have your Bibles, with, uh, turn with me. Mark chapter number 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16, and it says, And as he, Jesus, walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And when Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets to follow him. And when he got gone a little bit further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately Jesus called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with their hired servant and they went after Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We love you every morning. And Jesus, we pray that this morning you would be lifted up that you would be on the throne of our hearts, that you would be on the the forefront of our minds, that today you would have preeminence, that you would have room to just do whatever it is you want to do in our lives. And Lord, we pray that this morning we just say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Speak to us today. Reveal your word to us And help us, Father, to follow you and to pursue you more than anything else in this world. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I love this story of Jesus. This is Jesus just beginning his ministry. He literally just came out of the River Jordan where he was baptized by John. The Holy Spirit had come upon him. He went out into the the wilderness and... Uh, was tempted there 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted and prayed and sought God to begin his ministry. And now he's just starting his ministry and he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. And here the Bible says he sees Peter, Simon Peter and his brother, and they were out in their boats. They probably had just got back from fishing. They were just getting ready to, um, to probably go out for another Uh, trip fishing out in the ocean, or not in the ocean, but in the Sea of Galilee there. And Jesus sees them, and they have this encounter with Jesus. Now, theologians believe that they probably, these fishermen were probably disciples of John's, or they had previously encountered Jesus on a prior encounter. But here they have this meeting with Jesus. They see him. Jesus sees them and he commissions them. He, he calls out to them and he says, hey, follow me. Will you follow me? And I love this because, because here Jesus is. It, 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 it doesn't say that Peter and, and his brother, and it doesn't say that John and his brother called out to Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you. But Jesus came after them. You know, Jesus comes after each and every one of us. You know, religion is defined by man's pursuit to get to God. I love it because I was actually talking with one of my neighbors um, a couple days ago. And uh, and I've, I've learned that he is agnostic. He believes that there's a God, but he doesn't uh, believe in God any type of God or any type of religion. And so, uh, so I've been talking with him and, uh, he revealed to me that he's going through, um, he's about to get a kidney transplant. He has dialysis. He's in, he's in kidney failure currently. And so I said, Hey, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, I guess, you know, he's kind of uncomfortable. And I'm like, I'm not uncomfortable. You know what I mean? So I just go after it. And so I said, Hey, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, sure. And so we're standing out in his front yard and I laid hands on him and I prayed for him in Jesus' name. And and I said, amen. And he goes, you know, thank you. But I'm not very a religious person. I said, well, neither am I. He looked at me. He said, what do you mean you're not a religious person? You just prayed for me. And I said, well, religion is defined by man's pursuit to get to God. But Christianity, real Christianity, has nothing to do with us trying to get to God. It's that God came to get us. Amen? He came for us. He came for you. He came for me. It was God's desire to come and reach and save each and every one of us. And so in doing so... Jesus comes to Peter and his brother and John and his brother, and he reaches out to them and says, Hey, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so they started to pursue God from that place. You see, if you're trying to pursue God outside of an invitation from Jesus, you're doing it completely in the opposite order. Jesus has already come. He's already done everything to save you. He's already come and he says with open arms, come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come with me. I've got a great journey I want to take you on. And then out of that place of understanding that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He died for your sins, then you begin to follow hard after Him. Amen? Because when you have this understanding that Jesus already paid the price, He's already already died for your sins, and it's not that you have to make yourself good enough to attain God. You see, in Islam, you have to be good enough, and maybe, just maybe, if you're good enough, then Allah will allow you to come into heaven when you die. But you see, that's not, that's not the, the true picture of God. God says, you're not good enough. And because you're not good enough, I'll send my son, the only one who is good enough, and he'll die in your place. He'll take your, your punishment upon himself. He'll die on the cross. He'll be buried, and I'll raise him from the dead. And then you will be good enough because of his blood. Amen? And so we have this hope in Christ that that we can come to him. We can come boldly to the throne of grace because of what he's already done for us. So Jesus has this encounter with these these young men mending their boats and he, he calls out to them, follow me and I'll make you something follow me and I'll, I'll change your life. Follow me. And I will, I will do inside of you what you could never even imagine. Now at this time, they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. How many of you know, when you start following Jesus, you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. I remember 12 years ago when Amanda and I made that decision. Now, I grew up in a Christian home. I knew all about Jesus, but I wasn't following Jesus. I wasn't serving Jesus. I was kind of just going through the motions and not even really going through the motions. I was really running from God at this point in my life. I was going hard after the things of the world. And I, Amanda and I had this encounter with Jesus and we started pursuing him. And I'm not going to go through all the details of my testimony. You can look it up on YouTube if you want. Um, but we started pursuing Jesus. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea that when I said yes to Jesus, that meant I said yes to anything. I I, I just said, God, I'll do whatever you want. You know, how many of us, how many of you know that there, there comes a time where you have to just say, God, Yes, God. Yes, God. I'm tired of doing things my way. It's gotten me nowhere. That was, that's my testimony. That was actually my prayer for salvation. I was sitting in my car. I had been addicted to drugs. I had been drinking like crazy. I had just been going, pursuing after the things of the world. And I got to a place where I realized no matter how much of the world I get, it all means nothing. It's not satisfying me. It's not enough. I'm satisfied for a moment. And then afterwards, there's no more satisfaction. And so I continued to pursue hard after the things of the world. And I continue to realize it's empty. It's empty. It's empty. It's empty. And I had this moment, this encounter with Jesus in my car. I was, uh, I'm not going to share the whole story, but there was a moment I'm sitting in my car. And I just knew I needed to surrender everything. And at that moment I said, Oh God, I've tried living for myself. I've tried doing all of this myself and it's gotten me nowhere. God, I'm done. I want to follow after you. I, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't know how much longer I have to live, uh, but, but however long that I'm alive, I just want to serve you. I want to follow you. I know you've already died for my sins. I know you've done all of those things. I already believe in Jesus, but God, I'm done. I want to follow you. And at that moment, everything began to change. The Holy Spirit, I believe, came into me in a new way. And he began to push me and he began to draw me and to say, Hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. Don't go that way. Don't do that thing that you used to do. Don't do the drugs. Don't, don't, don't go and, and get drunk and do all of these things. Follow me, follow me. And as we began to pursue Jesus, the more we began to pursue him, the more we began to experience God in miraculous ways. And pretty soon. We were just going after God. I mean, every day reading the Bible, sometimes many, many chapters a day. Uh, we were praying and seeking God every single day. And we were pursuing God in this way. I want to tell you, friends, pursue Jesus. You have one, if you have one thing that you can pursue, pursue Him. You know, in life, we pursue so many things. I, I, can't, I can't lie to you. I love the Minnesota Vikings. Amen? But if I'm not careful, I can find myself pursuing that thing, you know? On their website all the time, reading articles, watching videos. My friends, but you've got to pursue Jesus. Jesus. We've got to, that needs to be the thing that is first and foremost in our lives that we pursue him. These other things aren't wrong. It's not wrong to like sports or these things, but make sure every day you're pursuing Jesus. How do you pursue him? It's by opening up the scripture and beginning to read the word and say, okay, God, I know, I don't know, maybe don't know all of this, but I want to know it. And when you read the word, you're actually reading the words of Jesus. The Bible says Jesus is the word. And so when you're reading it, you're literally digesting Jesus and you're understanding him and you're hearing from God through reading the word. But you can't just read the Bible. You also have to pray and and you also have to listen. Because in order to have a relationship with someone, you have to communicate. Amen? Amen but you can't just communicate all the time. I know some people uh, when, sometimes when we first get saved and we pray, we just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. How many of you have ever been around somebody who just loves to talk, 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 talk and talk, but they never love to listen, right? I think that's how we are a lot of times as Christians. We love to just talk and talk and talk to God, but sometimes we need to stop and listen. And say, God, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want to speak to me through your word? And begin to read the word and stop and listen to the Holy Spirit and how God wants to speak to you. If you're going to have a relationship with this Jesus, you can. You can have a relationship with him. But you've got to spend time with him. Because no relationship can happen. No relationship can flourish unless you're spending time alone with that person. So you've got to spend time with Jesus, spend time alone. Every morning when I get up, I get on my knees and I open the Bible and I pray and I worship and I spend time with him. You've got to do that. You've got to cultivate that relationship. So we see this, that that the disciples encountered Jesus. He called to them and they began pursuing after him. The Bible even says that Jesus saw them before he encountered them. You see that? Look at this right here with me in um, verses 16 and 17. And as he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea. You know, my friends, Jesus sees you before you ever see him. He sees you every day. I tell the people in Pakistan when I first start to preach uh, about Jesus, and when I first start my message, I talk about how God sees each and every one of you. He knows where you lay your head down at night. He knows how many hairs are on the top of your head. He knows your friends and your colleagues. He knows everything about you. My friends, Jesus saw those disciples before he ever encountered them. And when you understand that God sees everything about you, when you you understand that he knows everything about you. Then there's a humility that can come and you can say, oh God, you know everything about me. Father, forgive me of my sins. Father, you you know when I pursue you. You know when I don't pursue you. But today I choose to pursue you with everything that I have. Amen. Amen. Look with me here in verse number 17. says that when when Jesus then Jesus said to them follow me and I will make you become fishers of men you see when you follow Jesus when you really begin to pursue him and go after him and follow him he will make you become a fisher of men That's what he does. You see, when you start to get into a relationship with someone, like my wife, for example, she didn't really care too much for sports when I met her. But now she's starting to like the Vikings because I like the Vikings. Amen? When you have a relationship with someone, you begin to develop that relationship. You begin to care about the things that they care about. You begin to care and have a a passion for the things that they're passionate about. Maybe you married uh, uh, somebody who loves to hunt. Probably when you did, now all of a sudden you begin to like hunting. Or when you have that relationship, you care about each uh, each other's interests. Jesus is interested in one thing. He's interested in souls. His heartbeat is for souls. If you were to put your ear up to the chest of Jesus, you would hear his heart beating. Souls, souls souls. It's his his passion. It's why he came to the earth. He came to die for people. His heart is for people. And so when you begin to pursue after Jesus, he begins to give you a passion for people. Maybe you're not an evangelist like me. Maybe you'll never get on a stage or, or in front of a big crowd, but there should still be that heart and that passion to see your coworkers come to Jesus, to see your kids know Jesus, to see your neighbors know Jesus, to see people around you know him and experience him the way that you've experienced him. I'll never forget when I first got saved and I, I started to have this passion for evangelism immediately. And it was like, I just want to tell people about Jesus, but I don't know how. I, I And I was afraid. I, I was afraid of man. But as you begin to pursue Jesus more and more and more, pretty soon the fear of man begins to go away because you care more about him than you do about what anyone else thinks about you. And so you begin to pursue him and he makes you a fisher of men. You know, I always say this. I say, it's not your responsibility to save people. It's their response to his ability. Your responsibility is to give them an opportunity. Let me say that again. It's not your responsibility to save people. It's their response to his ability. God's able, amen. He's able to save. So it's their response to his ability, but your responsibility is to give everyone around around you an opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. I remember uh, being in, uh, I was organizing crusades for Reinhard Bonnke in Houston. And one of my employees um, in the crusade department, he went and visited this church. It was a massive mega church in Houston, Texas. I think it's seated like three or 4,000 people. And in the lobby was a giant aquarium. And there were fish swimming through this aquarium. And he took a picture of it and sent it to me. He was just like blown away that there was this giant aquarium in the middle of this lobby of a church. And when I saw that aquarium, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, that's how many churches are. They're fishing for their own resources within the church, within their own pond. But they're not going out where in the world, out into the ocean and fishing for fish in the ocean. And then I was reminded of something that Paul Harvey once said. He said, we become keepers of the aquarium and not fishers of men. We've we've become keepers of the aquarium. So often in church culture, we we, 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 we fish in our own aquarium. We fish in our own pond. But how many of you know there's a world out there, there's an ocean of humanity on the outside of the four walls of the church that need Jesus. They need to know the message. And you might be the only person that has the message of Jesus Christ in their sphere of influence. You might be the only one that can reach them because you have relationship with them because they trust you because they know you, they know you to be a man or a woman of integrity. And when you begin to share about Jesus there, there's something there because they already trust you. My friends, we need to get out of the four walls of the church and become fishers of men, not keepers of the aquarium. Amen. You see, we have the remedy that this world needs. I say it like this all the time that, that that, that the world has an issue and the issue is sin. Sin is the issue that we have. It's, it's a disease in humanity. And you know, when you have a disease, oftentimes you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a pill and then he gives you another pill for the pill that he just gave you. And then pretty soon you have a pill for a pill for a pill, right? Right. And the pill is supposed to cure the issue. Well, we have a we have a sickness in this world, and the sickness is sin, but there is a pill that is the remedy. It's the remedy for everything, and it's the gospel. Amen? It's the gospel. And when you apply the gospel, it works, amen? It is the remedy. It saves us. It can change our life. And so, my friends, you have the remedy. You have the cure for this disease that is in humanity, and you need to share it with everyone else. How many of you know that if you had the cure for AIDS and you knew that cure and you had a pill for it, you would probably want to go and share it with the rest of the world, amen? My friends, you have the gospel. You have the remedy. Go and share it with your friends. Go and tell the world that Jesus saves, that Jesus died for your sins, and and, and just love on them and pray for them and invite them to come to church to learn more about Jesus. Amen? We need to share the gospel with everyone around us. When you begin to pursue Jesus, He begins to give you that heart and that passion. You might be saying, Chris, I don't have that passion yet, my friends. And then it's time to pursue. It's time to push in even harder and go after Jesus even more. Amen. Lastly, I want to talk about when to pursue God, when to pursue God. Look at verse number 17 with me. It says, then Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make, uh, and I will make you become fishers of men. And verse 18, it says, they immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Immediately, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience. When Jesus called to them, he said, "He said, come, follow me. He didn't say, come out later. Come, come follow me at a different time. He's saying, come follow me right now. And immediately those disciples without hesitation, they dropped their source of income. They dropped their livelihood. They dropped everything that they ever knew to go after Jesus. My friends, sometimes you've got to just let everything else go and go after Jesus. You've got to just say, you know what? I don't care what anyone else might think about me. I don't care who else is around me. I'm going to pursue Jesus. I'm going to go after him because if, if I die, I want to die knowing that when I die, I want to die knowing that I gave him everything that I am. I want to know that I gave it my best shot. And my friends, maybe you're sitting here saying, Chris, I haven't given it my best shot yet. My friends, as long as you have breath in your lungs, you can turn things around. Amen. You can go after God. You can continue to pursue him. You can start pursuing him and you can see God use you in incredible ways. You know, when I gave my life to Jesus, I just said, oh God, take me. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I never thought God would say, okay, go to Pakistan. In fact, I think if God would have told me he was going to send me to Pakistan before I got saved, I think I probably would not have gotten saved. You know, I mean, that was something that was so far away from what I really wanted to do was go to Pakistan. But, you know, God has a way of doing things. He has a way of directing our steps and, and taking us on this journey of life as we begin to pursue and follow hard after Him. But we've got to do it immediately. There's got to be a sense of urgency in our heart as these disciples. I love what it says here in verse 19. It says, When He, Jesus, had gone a little further from there, He saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately He called them, And they also left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servant. You see, Jesus came to James and John. They were mending their nets with their father, with their servant. Here they were. They were working with their father. They they had this business together with their father. And when Jesus called them to follow him, they not only left their own business, but they left their father. They left the whole the whole family generation, the whole family uh, business behind to follow after Jesus. Some of you, when you start following Jesus, there's things that you need to leave behind. There's things that are close to you, people that you even love and will continue to love in the future. It doesn't say that they stop loving their father. But there was a moment where they had to say, you know what? I need to go on my own journey. I need to pursue Jesus. I need to pursue him and follow him. Some of you, there's other things. There's sinful things in your life. And you've got to say, no, I'm I'm going to leave those things behind. And I'm going to pursue Jesus. And when you begin pursuing him, God changes you. And he'll use you in ways you never could have imagined. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter number 9. Luke chapter number nine, verse 57. I'm just going to read another quick story here. Luke 9, 57 through 62. It says, now it happened as they journeyed on the road, Jesus and his disciples, that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Now, I remember reading this and saying to myself, why was Jesus so inconsiderate? I mean, his father had just died. Why wouldn't he let the man go bury his own father and then come and follow him? I thought, man, that that seems like the logical thing to do. Why would Jesus be so inconsiderate and not allow this man to go to his own father's funeral? But then I heard somebody say to me one day, they said, Chris, it doesn't say that his father was dead. I said, wait a minute, let me look at this. Look Look at it with me again. Verse 59, then he said to another, follow me. And the man said, to Lord, let me first go bury my father. It doesn't say the father was dead. He said, let me go bury my father. He wasn't even dead yet. Back in these days, when a father died, the inheritance of the father came to the son. And so what this man is actually saying is, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, let me wait, go back and wait for my dad to die so I can collect the inheritance, collect my livelihood, then I'll come and follow you. You see, my friends, so often in life, we have these but first moments. We say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me go and do this. But first let me go graduate from college, then I'll follow you. But first let me get a good job, and and then I'll follow you. But Jesus, but let me first, and and then we, we we get the good job, we graduate, we get the good job, and then we say, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me get married. And then, but Jesus, first let me have kids, and, and then when my kids get older, Jesus, when they graduate, then I'll begin to follow you. But Jesus is saying, no, follow me now, follow me immediately. We need to go after him now. We can't continue to put these these things off. We can't continue to say, Jesus, but first let me go and do this. My friends, the Bible's saying here, go after him immediately. I I say this all the time. I say life is a compilation of moments where you say yes. Life is just a compilation of moments where you say yes or where you say no. But life is that it's it's just the, the whole existence of your life is a compilation of moments where you choose to either say yes or no. What are you going to say yes to? Are you going to say yes to sin? Are you going to say yes to the world? Are you going to say yes to peer pressure? Are you going to say yes to these things? Or are you going to say yes to Jesus? Are you going to say yes to God and say, you know what? I don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care who's around me. I'm going to follow hard after Jesus because this life, when Leonard Ravenhill used to say it this way, he said, this life is a dressing room for eternity. This life is a dressing room. What we do with our life in this moment, in these moments, it's a dressing room for what's to come. We have one life to live. Let's live it all for Jesus. Amen. And watch what he will do with your life. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. We love you, Jesus. Father, I pray that today our life Would be in your hands that today, God, we would make a decision to follow hard after you, that we would say, you know what, God, I don't care what anyone else thinks. I don't care what people might say about me, but Jesus, I'm tired of living halfway for you. I'm tired of just living for myself and it's gotten me nowhere. Oh God, today, Lord, we say be on the throne of our lives, be on the throne of our hearts. Jesus, we say yes to you today. And Lord, I pray that you'd use us for your your kingdom, for your glory, to go and to to do what you would have us to do. Lord, we pray, be on the throne of our hearts. Lead us and guide us in everything that we do. And Lord, I pray that today, if there's anyone here that needs Jesus, that they wouldn't delay God, that they wouldn't turn away from you, but today they would say yes to Jesus If there's anyone here, God, that maybe they've already said yes to you, but today they need to pursue you to to really make that decision to go after God, to follow you. Lord, I pray that today they wouldn't delay and they'd say yes to Jesus. Can I just have everyone stand quietly? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we stand in your presence. Lord, we stand today as open vessels. You see us. You know us. You know everything about us. And oh God, we pray today, we choose to follow you, to go after you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anyone here today and you've, maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. You, you know about Jesus. You've gone to church before. But today you want to make Him your Lord. You want to truly follow Jesus with your whole heart. And you've never made that decision before. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, if that's you, you've never made that decision. I would like you to raise your hand because I'd love to pray for you one two three that's you raise your hand if you need jesus you need him to save you amen 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 now i'm going to count to three again and and if you know you follow Jesus, you know about Him. But there is there is something inside of you that's saying, "Chris, I need to make a decision to go after God like never before." I'm going to have you also raise your hand if that's you, and you're saying, "Chris, I acknowledge. I I know Jesus, but I need to follow hard after Him. I need to go after Him in a new way, in a more in a more uh, committed way." Raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Here's what I want to do. If you need salvation, you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. You raised your hand. And if there's anyone here, maybe you you've received Jesus before, but you're kind of like me. You've you've gone astray, you've backslidden, you've gone away from God. And you wanna. Come back to Jesus. Today is your day. My friends, immediately make that decision to follow Him. I'm going to ask all of you who raised your hand to receive salvation, or maybe you should have, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to Christ today. I'm going to ask you to be brave enough to step out of your seat and to come forward. Come now. If that was you, you raised your hand for salvation, or you need to raise your hand for salvation, I'd love to pray for you. Just come now come forward. If there's anyone, I know there were several hands. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on. Let's put our hands together for those that are coming forward. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Anyone else? Keep coming. I know there were more hands. I want to do something. I want to just turn all of you into evangelists for a second. And when I tell you, I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them if they need to be up here, if they need Jesus. And if they say yes, I want you to just take them by the hand or just come with them and bring them up here. Just go ahead, turn to your neighbor on your left and your right. Ask them if they need to be up here. And if they do, bring them on up. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together again. Amen. 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 My friends, this is the greatest decision you'll ever make following Jesus. Amen. So the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, he will save us. And so today we're just going to confess with our mouth. We're going to believe in our heart that he is who he said he is. And the Bible's promise, God's promise is that he will save us from our sins. so... We're going to do this. Let's just close your eyes. Lift your hands to heaven. And I want all of us to pray this prayer together. We're just going to pray and ask Jesus to save us. Just Let's all pray this together. Say, Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of salvation. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lead me the rest of my life. I give you my life. Take all of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for joining us today in the ministry of God's Word. My prayer today is that you will experience a new revelation of who Christ is in you feel free to make as many copies of this message as you like. For more information about Church for the Harvest scheduled ministry times and meeting place, please visit us at churchfortheharvest.com or contact the church office at 320-759-1400. At Church for the Harvest, you belong.